to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Aaron Hawksworth, Joe Ostrowski with you. And joining us now is Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. And he is also the host of the Odyssey original podcast in the huddle with Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, covering the entire NFL. Jason, welcome back to the show. I saw the report where Demora Smith is talking about how NFL owners could be colluding against Lamar Jackson. What is your take on this situation? I know you're in Baltimore and you're close to the team, and we had talked to you earlier about maybe he'll end up with the Falcons. What do you think happens now? Well, it, it, the longer this goes, it, it will be baffling um, if no one wants to entertain the notion of Lamar Jackson, if, if no one feels like it's worth their time to – chat with this young man um, to hear from his own mouth because Lord knows the reporting and I'm putting air quotes around that regarding him and his contract situation has been janky at best going back years why no one in an industry as supposedly competitive as this with the you know with with the, the the margins as high as they are this is a business where owners will routinely spend four, five, six weeks crisscrossing the country talking to all types of potential head coaching candidates, right? I mean, some of these guys talk to 14, 15 people, knowing they're only going to hire one and knowing a lot of who they're talking to aren't even qualified for the job, but, hey, let's cast a wide net, right? Let's take it all in. And yet these same billionaires now face with an opportunity at the most important position in their entire organization, in their entire franchise, Right? The quarterback, and here's a 26-year-old, former unanimous MVP, who you might be able to steal for two first-round picks, and nobody thinks it's worth their time to get on their plane, spend a couple hours in the air, and talk to him. That, like, if no one does that, and I don't want to hear, oh, they don't want to do the Ravens' work for them. How about you do your work? He's... Take the Ravens out of the equation. They, they spend more time talking to seventh-round running backs, right, undrafted kids who they met with at the senior ball and, and then had in for a top 30 visit and went to their pro day. But nobody wants to talk to Lamar Jackson, and that's normal, and that's not unusual, and that's not collusion. I don't know. You tell me. What what are you hearing around the league as far as Lamar goes? What what are what is the reason that everybody's not going gaga for this guy? Is it lack of availability? Is it since the MVP season we have not seen him throw for three thousand yards? Uh, we, we know the rushing attack obviously a big part of that. Is it the rushing attack? Meaning. How much longer is this guy going to be inside of his prime? What are some of the wards that you hear around the league people talking about when it comes to Lamar? I don't really think it's the player. I think it's more the uh, the business side of things. I, I think it is more mm. towards the collusion than the players. I mean, look, Derek Carr's never done anything in this league, right? He had a multiple-team market at the end of his career. Still got good money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Garoppolo's still getting $35 million. When's he been healthy? Tell me the last time you backed a, a 49ers team thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo, you bet a 49ers future thinking he's going to be there come the playoffs. doesn't happen, right? But he had multiple teams. He had a market. He still gets 35. 
This guy at 45 to 50, I, I don't think it has anything really to do with that. I think it's this covenant or pact or whatever you want to call it between these owners where we don't, we don't go into somebody else's backyard and light their, you know, light their situation on fire, which, again, that's not, that's, not, that's not uber competitiveness. That's not free market econ- economics. That sounds like collusion to me. But so we don't want to go and do something that the Ravens will just match and that we look like fools and, you know, we'd rather cover our backsides. I mean, I think it has much more. We don't want to be the next Haslam, you know, who then gets shunned because he did something for his franchise that we don't think is good business for ours. Like, I, I think it's it's much more about that BS and optics um than it is anything else. I mean, you know, Arthur Blank in Atlanta, when people and high-ranking officials from that organization get probed about this sort of on background and off the record, they bring up how bad it looked to, like, finish second for Deshaun Watson last year and how they'd rather spend their money somewhere else than a quarterback position. And I'm like, this is just just think about that. Like, so because you finished second or third chasing around a sexual predator a year ago, you're not going to put those same resources into a kid who would become the highest-selling jersey in the league in Atlanta, right, who immediately makes you a a division winner who can play every game. You were chasing a sexual predator not knowing we're going to have him for four games, we're going to have him for two games this year, we're going to have him for no – but because we did that – now we won't go get you a real franchise quarterback and pay him. But, like, this is what's being peddled out there. Like, we talk to people from all over the country on my radio station. I talk to a lot of people off there. Like, this is the BS that's being spewed. We don't want to get in Desmond Ritter's head and mess him up if we don't bring home Lamar Jackson. The same Desmond Ritter who you thought so much of, he sat behind the carcass of Marcus Mariota until you had to play him. Until the fans were like, the few fans who showed up were like, stop this. It's garbage. He's garbage. If you drafted this kid, have conviction to play him. Then you play him three and a half games, he looks not horrible, and now he's the future? After you were willing to pay Matt Ryan $60 million a year to, you know what I mean, to throw interceptions the last two years he was there? Like, make that make sense. And none of it really Jeez. does, right? This is amazing stuff. I have another follow-up. Do you think the fact that Lamar doesn't have an agent has anything to do with this? Where are you at with that argument? I, come on. I, I mean, the, the Baltimore Ravens got Roquan Smith at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. He came here for six weeks. They're like, oh, that's the closest thing we've had to Ray Lewis. He, he had a hold-in with the Bears, right? He played four years with the Bears. He was one of their best players. They didn't want to pay him $20 million. He gets here. He has no agent. They do a deal in a matter of weeks. Why? Because they were willing to make him the highest-paid player in the history of, of the game at, at an off-ball linebacker position. Like, it wasn't a problem then when, when they're like, yeah, we think you're worth it. You know? No, I get it. It's not apples to apples. It's, you know, a $100 million deal versus a potentially $230 million deal. But I think that's a lot of BS also. Like, the, uh, Lamar doesn't get to this stage with an agent. Because some agent would have begged, screamed, pleaded, or held him out in the past to a point where he would have probably taken some deal. But the fact is, he, he has gotten here by kind of doing it his way, by not conforming. I think that pisses people off. By not falling in line. And so, 
rather than reward him the way a guy like Cousins got rewarded three years, $88 million, six, seven years ago, which put, put that in the future money now, post-pandemic, with the gambling money coming in, with a new Thursday night package, with a new Sunday ticket package, right? And, and think of how they're, they're overflowing with playing more games internationally now than before. But Lamar isn't worth – no one even wants to find out from his own mouth – what it would take for you to come to our team. Screw Steve Bashotti. Screw you playing, you know, five years for the Ravens for $33 million. That's bad blood. What can we do together to find out strategically a way to get you on our roster? And nobody wants to have that conversation. You're telling me it's because he doesn't have an agent. I, I, again, if someone actually went down there and met with him and it fell apart because they couldn't whatever, maybe sell me that. But let's, let, let some owner who's got nothing but time on his hands actually have the audacity to try to win, to try to get better at the quarterback position, and to sit down with this young man for some period of time. Then we can talk. Uh, Jason, want to look around the league a little bit. Uh, tied for the biggest favorite of any division is the San Francisco 49ers. Minus 160 favorite to win the division over at BetMGM. Uh, Purdy, Trey Lance... Darnold, whatever they end up rolling with, but you know you have one of the best offensive minds. Um, when you're looking at it early on, we still have a ways to go here, but is that a division where you would look to go with any team but the favorite due to the quarterback questions in San Francisco? Yeah, and even with San Francisco, I, I don't know that I'm in a hurry. You know, like I'm not looking at that saying I, I, I want to I get that down, you know, ASAP, just because I, I – Trey Lance has not played any consistent football since high school. That's just a fact. That's a fact. And this Purdy thing, I think, is pretty significant. And, you know, with San Francisco, I'm still – maybe I'm a Tom Brady truther, you know what I mean? But, like, I'm more content to kind of, like, see what that thing looks like in camp. The rest of those – I mean, Seattle, I think, is a solid operation. Obviously, there's two teams there that are going nowhere. Um, so from that aspect, you know, the odds are already on your side. But, like, I, I would try to get ahead of if, – if there starts to be some credible reporting that Tom Brady really is antsy in September or October, like, that's where I thought he's going to end up all along. So I, I might kind of try to get more on board with something there. But, like, I don't know, man. You kind of need a quarterback. And quarterbacks there never really stay healthy. And Seattle is, is competent enough, you know, that if, you know, San Francisco can't win 10-9 to 9 every week that – I think, you know, Pete Carroll wins a lot of games in this league. I don't always love how he does it. So I'm not dying to do anything there right now. But I I also think that that quarterback situation in San Francisco could go in a bunch of different directions. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Jason, what about the NFC East? We know there hasn't been back-to-back winners since 2004. The Eagles have lost a bunch of players since the offseason, and the Cowboys seem to be going all in. Then you've got the Giants at 5-1 to one, uh, and the Commanders at 10-1. to one. What interests you in the NFC East this way-too-early look at the division? I think people will probably make – look, the Hargraves is a huge loss for, for Philadelphia. Like, I, 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 I get it, man. But they kept a couple of corners. Um They've, they're building a monster there, I believe. And they're loaded with draft capital. And I, I just, I mean, I don't, they might move up a couple spots. Like, I'm working on a piece for the Washington Post right now, and people talking about Jalen Carter falling. 
Like, they're sitting there at 10. What if they jump up a few spots and they get Jalen Carter, you know, and add him to that D-line with Jordan Davis in year two? Like, Howie's so smart, and they're so shrewd and nimble, and the owner's so truly committed. Not like Jerry Jones fake committed, picking up guys at the end of their career on one-year deals that the other team subsidizes. I mean, going out there and doing real things that could help your team for years to come. I just buy their um, – I buy their organization. Like, I buy their intelligence. I buy their progressiveness um, mm-hmm. more than anybody else. So I, I'm, I'm riding with the Eagles. They've got a ton of draft capital. They'll, you know, they're always willing to make trades, even at non-traditional times of the year when teams aren't really taking trades or people are at the beach or people are out to lunch. And the quarterback's only going to get better, and they're still loaded for bear offensively. And think of the, how many different ways they can win. You know what I mean? And, and yes, they've lost some pieces. But really early in the offseason, um, they do great work around the waiver wire a lot of times as well. Like, I, I, st- I still think they're far and away the team to beat. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas finishes fourth. I would not be surprised if the commanders, um, especially if and when Dan Snyder's out of that building and somebody else is in. Like, this is the mm-hmm. first offseason that Dan Snyder hasn't meddled, like, in 20 years. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's not asking any questions. He's not vetoing any deals. The football people are able to do football things unencumbered from that buffoon. So I think that bodes well for them. <laughs> uh, um, people are looking at the Lions right now, and it feels like it's it's a little more love every day. And I didn't think it could reach another level after the love we saw for the Lions, a team that did not make the playoffs uh, last year. But here we go. Dan Campbell's the favorite once again for Coach of the Year. The Lions plus 135 bet MGM to win the NFC North. We can have, I guess we can have the conversation like Rodgers has already left the division because Green Bay is the long shot. Do you think that uh, the Lions should be favored as much as they are in the North? I mean, I don't know, maybe about as much as they are, but I think they should be favored. Um, and that's another team with, with some um, serious draft capital. Uh, I, I do think that that's now become a place that people like playing. I love their offensive coordinator. Um, they've got a lot of mm-hmm. emerging talent, first, second, third year um, guys who the arrows pointed up on. And the rest of the division stinks, and the NFC stinks. I mean, who are the good quarterbacks in the NFC? I mean, Jordan Love might be one of them. Like, if he's half decent, he's yeah. probably already the fifth or sixth best in that conference because there's just – not a whole lot of there there. You know, I think Minnesota is still a factor. Um, they're kind of, I don't know, I kind of feel like they got one foot in, one foot out. Um, are they ever really going to win big as presently constructed? You know, I don't think so. This is probably their last hurrah with Cousins. Um, you know, could, could they win that thing? Yeah, but I, I, we all know the kind of luck they had last year, right? And one-score yep. games and crazy stuff at the end of games, that, that tends to even out over two-year sample size. So I like the Lions there. I think the Vikings are still a playoff team. And you got the other two got to prove something to me. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lopkinfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. A very fired-up Jason Lopkinfora. And the Dan Snyder buffoon talks. I love it. Sounds like that deal is about to get done soon as well. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM.